to Sin City. Get ready for in-depth chat on new releases, iconic films, and plenty more for you cinephiles. Only on CMRU.ca and Feel Loud Images. And now, to your host, Nick Manessas. Hello there. Welcome back to the city. I am your host, Nick, and I'm joined today by our longest running guest ever, Matthew Zaharia, or who I like to call Discount Ansel Egerton. Is that his name, by the way? Because I think we should really point this out to all of our first time listeners, but you do look a lot like Ansel Elgort. Yeah, uh, you may be surprised I have been told that before. This isn't the first time that I've been compared to him. Well, you must be very flattered. I know. he's He is a good-looking man. And tall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, you made it just in time, Matt, because today we will finally be reviewing what is probably one of the most hyped horror films of the year, Halloween Kills, the sequel to the sequel of Halloween, which also has the same title as the original. Me, me and my brother found a good way to distinguish them, because what John Carpenter does with all his films, it's John Carpenter's Halloween or John Carpenter's Thing. So we refer to the original Halloween as John Carpenter's Halloween, and this is Halloween, and the new one was Halloween, or Halloween 2018, and... Um, then this one's Halloween Kills, which is a separate title from Halloween 2, which is Halloween 2. First off, I really love the title. I love how they went with something different instead of just calling it Halloween 2. I bet they must have found that really confusing because we got two Halloween 2s and three Halloweens with the same name. Boy, this franchise is such a mess, eh? But we'll get to that a bit later. As we know from all these other reviews, there's been a bit of contention and division between fans and critics. So I thought we would split this into two parts, much like what they did for this one, essentially. So we'll start with the negatives and then get to the bright side with the positives. First off, one thing is that Halloween Kills, it doesn't feel much like a movie, but more like half of a movie you know what i mean i would agree with you in there where it's like a middle part but with it being a middle part it shouldn't follow the same structure as a first movie or a latter movie like for example uh with star wars and the empire strikes back there's not really a plot progression there is in the sense that you get from one place to another to another but it seems like a whole bunch of different vignettes with the different planets there's hoth there's Dagobah, there's the asteroids, there's Cloud City. There's not really a through line that goes through them that is on its own a good story. If you made Empire Strikes Back without having a movie to go off of, you, people will be like, there's a lot of cool stuff going on, but I don't, I don't understand who are these characters and why are they doing what they're doing. And I feel like Halloween Kills does a good job with these established characters that they have in um, John Carpenter's Halloween and Halloween 2018. And let's be honest, we all knew that Michael was going to win this one since this is the second chapter in a planned trilogy. Yeah. But of course, that hasn't stopped many people from complaining. So here we are now. 
overall, personally, I feel Halloween Kills, it doesn't quite stand on its own, if you know what I mean. Because one yeah. of the benefits the last Halloween had, the 2018 one, I'm not calling it Halloween just to avoid any confusion, but that one, it stood well on its own. You did need to watch the original film to truly understand this one. But with Halloween Kills, right off the bat, we have to, it expects us to catch up to the last two Halloweens, 1978 and the 2018 one. It even starts with a flashback, which I think they really did a good job of, of what happened the night after the original film, after Michael's first massacre. Yeah, I would agree with you that it being a sequel, it doesn't stand on its own as a movie, but um, I would I would say that I would watch Halloween Kills more than I would rewatch the 2018 Halloween just because I feel I, I I felt it was more entertaining than um it but I know uh this one Halloween Kills does <laughs> does fix a lot of the problems I had with the um 2018 one that um we did a review on uh, i think last month it was yeah um but yeah i but one problem i would say with it in regards to a movie there there's sort of a pacing issue because it's it seems like one big climax there's no there's no build up to anything big it's all big violent kills throughout the whole thing and it's more sort of like who's who's next basically who's i see your point yeah and look about that the fact that this is basically part one of one big story i know i know it's unfair to criticize a movie when it's already been explicitly said it's actually the first half of the finale but let's compare and contrast all the other great sequels, or should I say Empire Strikes Back in a franchise with, of course, The Empire Strikes Back, The Dark Knight, The Godfather Part 2. Yes, both were the, just the middle part of a trilogy, but with those ones, I felt there was a bit of a, um, apart from the fact that they stood on their own, they actually had a payoff it had a clear beginning, middle, and end. But with Halloween Kills, it's more like a beginning and middle. So it there's actually no payoff. But it's not the movie's fault. And I don't think it's fair that we are complaining about this issue right now. Yeah. I Another one that um, you didn't mention was the Twin Towers and that... I would say is, or uh, is it the Two Towers, sorry, the Lord of the Rings, yeah. where that one, it, rather than, um, it, it starts in the middle of the story where Frodo and Sam are separated and the rest of the party separated and it's splintered. And if you just started that with that, with the story, you will be like, there's, you would notice there's a big disconnect how there's these two stories going on and you don't know how they got there. 
So I would say that The Two Towers is a great film. It has great action. But as the story goes, if you don't have the first The Fellowship of the Ring to um, establish it, then it would make less sense. And that would also go for um, uh, Return of the King. If it's a great move it's a great series as a saga but not so much with just isolated films yeah about that i think maybe just maybe let's assume halloween ends already comes out and when people watch that i think they will start to appreciate halloween kills a bit better now that the experience is complete essentially and I'm guessing you already knew this, of course. It's really hard to ignore, but Halloween Kills feels very much like a another reinvention of Halloween 2. Uh, the first one, of course, the one from 1981. You know, how they both take place in the exact same night as the last one. They spend the majority of the film in a hospital. More kills and more blood, just like the horror movie sequel rules. But much like that movie, one complaint I had was Jamie Lee Curtis, or rather her absence. Because after, I, I loved her in Halloween 2018. We all loved her. She made one big comeback, but here she just feels wasted. He, she she spends most of the movie bedridden on painkillers, much like in the original Halloween 2. Well, I, I, would, agree. I would say that was a pretty good paycheck for jamie lee curtis there but um i would i'm thinking that it's they're they're sort of holding their cards close to their chest because they're being so reserved with laurie strode in this one they're going it's going to be a big she's going to do something big or i'm just gonna she's gonna do something big in the next one it's not it's not that she's just done for the rest of it she's coming back and she's coming back fighting. They're, they're holding their cards, again, close to their chest. Their big, their secret weapon, basically, it's going to be glory because she knows now um, that Michael is more than a man that I'm sure we'll get to. And she knows that she needs to find a different, another way to defeat him rather than through violence. Although it sucks to see Lori missing in action, that part I think can be a bit justified. Halloween Kills is the appetizer, but Halloween Ends is the main course. What we can say at this point now is if you are complaining Halloween Kills is filler, I guess we just gotta be patient. Um, another issue I had with it, is while we're on this bed, is it's one, it's a hell of a long night that um, is happening, because... If we, I think, I I don't know. I'm sure that in um, Halloween 2018, they mentioned time at least once to sort of do it. And let's say that the um, high school dance was at like eight o'clock. It's been one long night if everything's, I'm sure that if someone digs their nails in and sort of looks at clocks in the background and figures out the exact timeline, it would make sense. But I, I I think there's a suspension of disbelief in thinking this is all occurring during the same night. 
Speaking of the time, that's actually one thing that I feel kills improves over 2018's Halloween, the pacing. Because, yeah, 2018's Halloween was a bit of a slow burn. That one is justified, of course. But with Halloween kills, we don't need to wait for that big reveal of her Michael to come home. We get to see him up to no good right right off the bat. And they did a really good job of how they changed Michael Myers. Because before he was he was the slow burn stalker that uh, played with his food, but now he's unleashed. And that's the problem I had with his characterization in the 2018 one, is he didn't really do that. And unlike Halloween Kills, there wasn't any inciting incident for... Michael Unleashed, as I will call it, where I I can, even though Michael Myers is the blank slate that you can't put emotions onto or that's just kills for the sake of killing, um, I can't see why that he would change his tune just by sitting in an asylum for like 30, 40 years, 50 40 years um whereas if someone like Laurie Strode did try and kill him and got close they did get close I would say um I could see that being why he becomes unleashed that attempt on his life um and he does a good job of just killing everyone it's not he bumps into like kids and that, and then just lets them go. He, what he sees, he kills. He's ravenous. I would describe him as. And I know um, the movie did get me thinking, though, that there should be a thing for houses. You know how people have the do not resuscitate sort of thing. There should be that where do not save from burning, because that. Well, I would say that would have solved the plot. But again, Michael is more than human here. Yeah. Yeah, now I see that's the cue that we should get to the positives. Yeah, I I didn't have much negatives. I had like three points. Oh, one more. Um, I don't see the significance of the Myers house. Because, like, through this whole movie, everyone thought, oh, they're connected to Laurie Strode. They're going to the hospital trying to get Laurie. we got to protect the hospital. And, but that's not the case. Um, but if Michael is indeed this um, blank slate, uh, no emotions, no character, nothing, just why did he want to go to the Myers house? And if it's to look out the window, as mentioned, why is that important? we were also told, well, he does that. He looks within. But frankly, you could do that with any old mirror. Is So I, I'm just sort of, I don't understand the, the significance they put on the Myers house itself. So Yeah, at, at, le- at, at least they didn't try to explain too much about Michael's character or go deep into the roots. It's not like they tried to explain why he does what he does. It's just that throughout the movie, they're saying that nothing's important to him. He doesn't care about anything. But he does want to go back to the Myers house. So 
it's not it's it's really the inconsistency of that fact how he doesn't care about he cares about nothing else except for this house but for no i'm sure they might elaborate on it further in the next one i'm not saying that they won't but i'm just saying that throughout the movie they're saying michael doesn't care about laurie strode even though every people believe that that's the case but for whatever reason he cares about the Myers house. If we take into account uh, Hawkins's quote about Michael, that he is basically a six-year-old boy stuck in the body of an adult with the body of a feral animal, Michael, I feel, this is just a theory, of course, but Michael's killings are, if you think about it, his way of celebrating Halloween. And the house, it's basically memories, memory of what he started the night he killed his sister, the night that he began his career in murder. Yeah, and yeah, it wasn't very clear in this one, and I'm sure they will elaborate on it further. But that's it. That's all I have negative to say. Man, this is this is almost like a reverse of our Halloween 2018 episode now, where you had more negatives to say than positives. Well, I do think that this one, a lot of the problems I had with the 2018 one is they did address they did address it in this one. Like, um, one of my points is that they didn't handle the idea of Lori's trauma that well. Like, they didn't explicitly say why Karen was taken away from her. Or, um... Because I was thinking that there should be a big event to show how the trauma affected her. Like, I suggested killing a kid, but in this, they didn't just... They took the focus away from Lori and showed how the trauma affected Haddonfield as a town. They bring in the kids from the original Halloween that survived their encounters with Michael Myers. And I feel like that was a good decision because they are affected by the trauma. They remember it and they idolize Lori for what she did. Um, and it, it affected their lives, but they're not spending every every waking hour planning to kill Michael Myers like Lori was they 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 suffered the trauma but they still had li- normal normal lives afterwards it became a legend and i feel the legend of michael myers is the what um this movie adds more than any other cuz for every other film, Michael Myers was a man, but in this he becomes a legend, a creature beyond human means. Definitely. I that is actually probably the one of the best aspects of the film, too. Cause remember Lori's line, the more he kills, the more he transcends. When people first heard that in the trailers, they were a bit concerned because we were led to believe that the movie was going to go deep into the supernatural and explain why Michael is the way he is but I'm glad it was more of a 
almost like a figure of speech, really. I love how they did that. They added more to Michael's character rather than just trying to just explain he's like this legend, this figure, this shape, without trying to strip any of his mystique away. I think that worked really well. And, well, also, when it comes to the title, Halloween Kills, I think it kills in that. Because, man, if any, to all you gore hounds, you will not be disappointed because the kills in this movie are brutal. Like, I mean, freakishly fr brutal, gory, and shockingly disturbing. Like, we all know Michael's never been one of a huge heart but this one he's just he's worse this is michael at his worst at his most evil i have to say because the original film really getting your throat slit and strangled by a bunch of phone cords seems pretty tame comparing to have a fluorescent light bulb shoved down your throat i would yeah i would I thought it was just stabbed in the neck, that one. Um, but I would say that one's my favorite because where I worked, um, there was fluorescent tubes, and if those broke, you had to deal with them. Because when when he did break it, he did release like toxic gas. So, um, yeah, I I thought that was funny because I just work with fluorescent bulbs. He so. stabs the woman's husband with a bunch of knives. Like, he's a freaking pin cushion. There's no kill like overkill. And then the fact that he stabs another guy right in his freaking armpit and then gouges out his eyes and head like a freaking pumpkin. Man, Michael, he has never been Freddy or Jason when it comes to the creativity department of mass murder. But I think this is him at his most creative Especially when it comes to the corpse decorating, which I'm sure you've noticed after he kills, spoiler alert again, Nurse Marion Chambers and that uh, black couple dressed as the doctor and the nurse. He donned them in the silver shamrock masks from Halloween 3. I, I did I did like the callback to Halloween 3, which if, you, if you're tired of Michael Myers and you want to watch a Halloween movie, I would say Halloween 3 is where it's at because... It is a Halloween movie, quote-unquote. You can't see it because it's on radio. But, um... It, it's... I don't want... It, it's, it's, it's just a great movie. It's a good time. I heard, and especially, but to me, you say the fluorescent light bulb was your favorite kill. But to me, this one is kind of like a bunch of kills, however. And that is when Michael gets out of the house and he slaughters the ever-living shit out of those firefighters. Man, that... I love that. It really sets the mood of the film and shows us that we are dealing with a different type of beast here. Like, did you see that? Like, and he uses a variety of different weapons. The power saw, the... Fireman's Axe, kudos for the versatility department, Michael. But also, I love that shot of Michael coming out of the house and it's all fire around him. He looks very demonic, like the devil just crawled out of hell and has been reborn again. That is 
this is not Michael Myers. This is officially the shape. Yeah. I know. I, I'm sorry to ruin that part for you, Nick, but when I, when I saw him with the axe, the only thing I could think of was Michael Myers coming to Fortnite because it's, I'm sorry, but that's what I could think of just, um, yeah, because Fortnite has been taking up every movie property that has ever existed or whatever, every property even. Like, I know they just announced Dune skins because the new Dune's coming out, which I, I'm excited for. But um, it, I don't know. That's what I just thought. And then my brother did mention that they the firemen ascribed to the samurai way of fighting, the one-at-a-time honorable combat, which... I don't, yeah, I don't know. I did like that scene, though. It was very brutal, and it showed the strength and power of Michael, like, um, but if you think about it as well, if the, they didn't really help Michael escape the basement, because the initial incident was the floor collapsed, and if that occurred any time before um, the fireman got there, he could have just called out like he did anyways. So, yeah. And, yeah, I, I would agree that it's a good introduction to the character. And um, the intro credits with the flaming pumpkin really embodies what we were in for because the original Halloween is just, or John Carpenter's Halloween, is just a pumpkin. And then in the 2018 one, it's a rotting, it's a, I'm, it was it a rotten pumpkin that they did backwards or a, okay. And that's Michael's rebirth. And in this one, it's, where he was at the end of the last one, on fire and mad. Love him. That's right. I also love his new look too. The fire motif in the film, it gives the film an almost angry, deranged tone. Because if you think about it, this is the Empire Strikes Back of the Halloween franchise. And Michael strikes back hard. He is just pissed off. Like, come on. Wouldn't you blame him? He got two of his freaking fingers shot off, stabbed, shot, and left to burn in the basement. So, yeah, we can all assume Michael is not very happy at yeah. all. And also, it might be hard to miss, but it's really telling that Michael, though every time he is killing, like his kills are much more drawn out, and you can tell that he is somewhat enjoying himself even with the heavy repeated breathings he makes. And in some shots, it's hard to miss, but Michael's mask, probably because of the burning, it looks as though he is smirking at times. It's chilling and so cool. And with the fire motif, I think that embodies the greater theme of it is because, well, in... Lori's monologue at the end, she talks about how he's the embodiment of hatred and evil and 
all this. And I feel that it's the whole, when you fight fire with fire, you're going to get burned. And in this case, it's hatred versus hatred. If they try and fight Michael with hatred, they're just going to make him more powerful, stronger. And you're going to get burned, in this case, murdered brutally. Which I, yeah. Yeah, it's similar. It's like trying to defeat Sauron by using another ring. No, that's not how it works. The part where the mob chase after the escaped patient because they think it's Michael. That's another callback to Halloween too, you know, where the police kill Lori's boyfriend, Ben Tramer, by running him over and blowing him up because he looks a lot like Michael. This is actually something that happens sometimes in real life too, you know, a... An innocent person is killed because they fit the description of a criminal at large. So I love how the movie played well into that theme. And as well with the, you know, the mob mentality theme. Like, that, the mob versus Michael Myers has actually been explored back in Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers. But it was mostly a side thing, actually. But here it's a crucial plot point and I love how they introduce that new concept to the franchise. Uh, with the mistaken identity, there's there's a part of me to think that My Michael had planned it in some way. Because with knowing how dangerous Michael is, the odds that one of the mental patients would um, get away without his, any inter without him choosing not to it I, I i i would i think michael had something to do with it cuz he is fueled by chaos when they're in the hospital it's what he wants he wants chaos he wants decorum he wants um uh this insanity because that what that is what makes him stronger, and that is what he wants. So I feel like he sort of set this red herring loose to so that not just to get some heat off himself, but to fuel this these feelings of chaos and anger and rage and everything. It kind of makes sense too, because Michael, violent mass murderer, though he may be, he's actually smarter than he appears to be. Like, he's very good at stealth, and on top of that, he knows how to drive, despite having spent most of his life in an asylum, but still. And another thing I really love about Halloween Kills is, I really love how they brought back all these different characters from the original film, like uh, Tommy Doyle, Lindsay Wallace, Sheriff Brackett, and Nurse Marion Chambers. Oh, and... Lonnie, the, the kid who bullied Tommy back in the original, because some people might say it's just fan service, but I beg to differ because it actually helps in the themes of Halloween Kills. Yeah, they, they, it's not they're bringing back characters for the sake of bringing back characters. There's a reason to do it. And even with the Halloween 2018 that caught a lot of flack for bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis for the sake of bringing her back and then 
um, Sheriff Hawkins and these all these characters, but knowing the greater story scope and how they're really um, emphasizing how the trauma affected the people of Haddonfield rather than just Lori, because everyone believed that Lori was insane, that um, she was... Yeah, she was basically a doomsday prepper for Michael Myers, and she was right in the end, but seeing how it affects everyone else in Haddonfield is really, is what I wanted. Yeah, and also about Lori, because even though she is mostly sidelined here, I really appreciate how they really hit the point home that Michael wasn't targeting Lori because it actually makes sense in this timeline, especially because as we all know, in this timeline, Michael and Lori are no longer related. In fact, if you look back in the 2018 sequel, when Michael first arrives to Haddonfield, the first thing he does is he goes around town to kill a bunch of innocents. I don't even think he was thinking about Lori when he got there. And in Halloween Kills, after getting out of the burning house, he went straight after innocence, not Lori. Lori, when, because when Michael met Lori that day where she left the key under the Myers house, it was all dumb luck, random coincidence. Like, Lori is just a victim of circumstance. She's not Michael's sister or long-lost relative. She's just like all of his other victims, really. She's just some girl Michael decided to stalk right then and there. I would say because of the significance of the Myers house, um, because in Halloween Kills, we are told that he's making his way to the Myers house. It's a straight line to where it is, which I'm very surprised at, like, because he must have known Hanfield like the back of his hand, because he ended up in the middle of the forest. I, I don't know. I would say if I was found in the middle of the forest outside of town, well, wait, no, I guess I could eventually make my way home. But it wouldn't be a straight line, I can tell you that. Um, but, um, and then even in John Carpenter's Halloween, or Halloween, um, he, the, uh, Laurie was in the Myers house, he was in his way, even though he was already in the house, or, if you believe that, but it's, it's like a territorial animal, they're on his property, they're in his territory, and he is going to protect it. Or, um, in whatever way he can. I want to talk a bit more about that opening flashback, because that is one of the many highlights of the film. Kudos to the cinematography, too. I love how they really captured the spirit, the tone from Carpenter's 78 classic, down to the tiniest detail, the color palette. And they even got back some actor to play Dr. Loomis, which I really like too. I'm guessing they must have used either CGI or maybe the actor really looked a lot like Donald Pleasance. Yeah, I I think it's a little of column A, a little, little of column B. 
we didn't have a Peter Cushing Tarkin from Rogue One scenario where you could tell right away that it's CGI. It was more so what they did in that film with Princess Leia. I th- I don't know for sure, but how they had a actor that looked similar to them and sort of imposed the actual like um no it's it's a technique that's on Instagram and all that the face thing I don't know so I don't know what I'm talking about but it, they sort of imposed Donald Pleasance on there because it looked really well and I was like I I went in saying that oh they're not going to do anything with Doctor Loomis he's Donald Pleasance is dead and but they did and they didn't make it they they used it sparingly they didn't flash back to the 70s every couple minutes every couple scenes it's um they, they used it sparingly and i liked what they did with it funny you should mention that because many weeks before this movie came out i asked you once what did you think of the resolution to it because since 2018's Halloween and everything made by David Gordon Green with the Halloween franchise ignores every sequel after the original. Now, the filmmakers had to come up with an explanation of what happened the night after Michael disappeared off the lawn in the Strode's residence. So, the solution? Michael got arrested right off the bat and was sent back to prison for 40 years, which, if I recall correctly, you felt it was a bit of an anti-climax and took away some of Michael's mystique. But I guess how they portrayed it here must have changed your mind then, huh? Yeah, because in it, if you just see them, Michael just standing in the middle of a field and everyone just swarms around him and catches him, that's not entertaining. But how they got to the point of actually almost killing Michael Myers, that being Donald Pleasance, the worst um, psychologist in movie history, um, where they got to the point, but they stopped it because Hawkins interfered, is what we needed. If it was just saying, oh, they caught Michael Myers and that's it, then it's nothing. But because they got to the point where... They were going to kill him on the spot, but didn't, is what the movie needed to explain how Michael got from killing four innocent people to just being in an institution. A flashback, it was really well done. I had this sense of nostalgia too. It was. It really felt like we were being brought back to 1978, and they really did a good job replicating Michael's mask, the original one the tiniest detail. Of course, this is definitely not the same mask worn by Nick Castle in the original film, because let's be honest, it would be all worn down and grainy. What did you think of the ending of Halloween Kills? That climax where Michael gets the living shit beaten out of him by the mob. It doesn't last long, of course, but it's still a sight to behold. I thought... There, there was one thing about it that I find really interesting is that they wait for him to put on the mask because the mask does two things. For one, it dehumanizes him in two distinct ways. 
it makes him no longer human, which if which I feel is what made it so the mob could beat up on him. They disregarded that Michael's just a man. Because if you think about it, the whole mob mentality will get to a point, and I don't think that point is just to murder a person. So I feel they put... But um, having him put on the mask as well also makes him the monster. They... Gave, gave him his power. I'm not saying that the mask holds his power, but the mask removes him from being human. He is not like us. He is something different. Right. Yeah. Interesting you put it that way, too, because the mask is part of Michael, actually. It's his face, if you think about it. It has almost this dark supernatural aura to it. It's almost like his crown and a king without his crown is nothing. So the mask, like you mentioned, it grants him his strength, kind of like Solomon's, no, Samson's hair, basically. Um, yeah, but I feel like viewing all of Michael's killings as one big ritual, this... Um, sadistic murder spree to gather power. It's, um, it's, um, and he becomes the embodiment of evil. And when you, and I feel that that is what he's been looking at this whole time when he looks in the mirror, not just his reflection or Haddonfield. He's looking at evil and when you gaze into the abyss, the abyss gazes back. And I feel that's what drives him. He is, he's no longer a man. He is the abyss. He is evil. And it also makes me think of how the legend of Michael Myers spreads, that there's somewhat of a Tulpa entity, where he's a thought-bound entity, where um, the better example would be Freddy Krueger, how... Um, he is powered by people thinking of him, so he d commits these murder sprees to reinvigorate the legend of Freddy Krueger. But in this, we don't just, we're not just told, oh, Michael has affected, we are told Michael has affected the people of Haddonfield and this is how they affected. We are told from many different perspectives a story of Michael Myers. People are aware of the myth of Michael Myers, but we see that, oh, he used this used to be his house. He used to stare out that window. Um, he, and we see it like an urban legend spread through. And um, not to, but um, the thing with urban legends is they're, they are only urban legends till a point. Recent example, and the best example, I would say, is Slenderman, where Slenderman was this online entity that was made for a Photoshop contest, but through, like, word of mouth, and mostly the internet, it became this urban legend, and there's this whole mythos built out around him. And because of that, it inspired actual violent crimes in the name of Slenderman. And... It's it's different with Michael Myers because um, the legend he is fueled by the legend, but rather than inspiring other people to do it, it's inspiring 
not only inspiring, but powering himself to commit these crimes, to continue on the legend. You're really good at this. Why Why else do you think I chose you to be on the show in the first place? But yeah, because Michael Myers, quote Carpenter, is not a man. He's not a character. He is an absence of character, a nearly supernatural force. Because legends, you can kill man, but legends is something that you can never kill. Because Michael's murders, even though he only killed four people, including a dog. Don't forget the dog. Rest in peace, Lester. But also, they it's not the quantity, but the quality of his kills. Because if we go anything by the opening, Haddonfield is a peaceful, quiet little town where nothing exciting happens. But when something horrible occurred, which is mass murder of a bunch of innocents, even 40 years later, people still remember Michael Myers. He has become this, this feared figure. He is the boogeyman, the shape of evil. And Halloween Kills, I believe, is the film where Michael has officially earned his boogeyman credentials, <laughs> if you think about it. Because, and now that he's, he's killed, he's literally eviscerated the fuck out of Haddonfield. So he's now stronger than ever before. Halloween movies are dark, like cruel, brutal, morbid, and there's no sense of humor in them. Unlike with Freddy or Jason, they never try to have fun with Michael. They always keep him as brutal and mysterious as possible. And I mean that as the highest compliment ever. Yeah, I would say with... And they fit that to a T, for sure. Yeah. And Nothing to take away from Nick Castle. He's great as always. But personally, I feel out of every actor or stuntman, James Jude Courtney has got to be, in my opinion, the scariest, like the pants-shittingly scariest version of Michael Myers ever. Because while Nick Castle captures the character's stealth and stocky nature... Jude, James Jude Courtney captures the brutality of Michael Myers. And it always amazes me that all the time, Michael, he has killed so many people. He's been injured so many times. And you know what? The man is 61 years old. Not even old age has done a thing to slow him down. You don't hear, or in this case, you don't sense Michael thinking, uh, I'm getting too old for this shit. Yeah, uh, I would say with Freddy, it's more humor, but with Jason, I would say it's more campy. Like, when you think of Michael Takes Manhattan, just the title, it's... Yeah, uh, I would say with... Freddy has more humor, but with Jason, I would say it's more campy. Like, when you think of Michael Takes Manhattan, just the title, it's... Not Michael, sorry, Jason. I'm sorry. Jason Takes Manhattan and Jason X. It's, he, he, he became more campy as it goes on and pretty humorous. But, yeah, Michael is this consistent character, barring his pact with the devil in the fourth one. Or, I don't know what happened in that one, something like that. But um, they do a really good job of keeping his character consistent, and that I feel like that's why Halloween has so much success now, 
because there isn't this he, he the the character didn't divulge into this joke sort of camp that became that became the character um i know jason probably has a better chance of resurfacing in a serious matter i know there's great short films like uh never never hike alone which i would recommend you check out i think there's two one involves snow um but that's the problem with the nightmare on elm street remake is people have this image of freddy and when they made a movie with a image that's contrary to what everyone wants from a, a nightmare on elm street movie then it's it's not successful because people have this image of the character in mind and um michael's just been consistent this whole time and we know what we want from michael myers and we they're giving us what we want right i love how they continue to do that too would you agree that this is just as violent as the rob zombie movies i don't know i would say it's close like um they are brutal but i wouldn't say they're, they're quick and brutal it's not like they linger on screen it's not we're not seeing uh we're not lingering on any of the kill well we do linger but it's not gratuitous it's not different angles showing the absolute worst possible thing we see the bodies because he displays the bodies but i would say it's short and quick it's not um it's not like michael spent time just eviscerating well he did I, i'm saying stuff and then i'm thinking of examples where he did it wrong but it's not like um it's not like we linger on the gore it's not because we don't see the one firefighter who got his head sawed open i don't think no we do see it i'm sorry <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't, I would say it's a close race if I had to say. Perhaps you're right. Yeah, and although I'm sure this movie is going to hit some controversy for being way too gory and excessive, people, what do you expect? The title is called Halloween Kills, not Halloween Lives. Come by and have a milkshake with Michael Myers. Only for yeah. 67 cents. No, because... The violence, it's not just for shock value. It actually adds something to the story. It shows just how worse the boogeyman has gotten and it really serves as a motivating factor for Laurie to finally put an end to his reign of terror because now that Michael has killed Karen, her only daughter, now Laurie has an even good... I mean, a damn good reason to finally kill Michael Myers once and for all, hopefully, because I'm really hoping the next film, Halloween Ends, is really the end of the Halloween franchise, because you know how they do this with other slasher franchises, the final chapter, the final nightmare, and then yeah. a few years later, rinse, repeat, because look, I'm not saying... I, I just want the Halloween franchise to end. Let it end. No, I actually love it. That's why I wanted to have a proper ending. Yeah. Because as much as I love 
as we love Michael Myers as a character, he can always keep living because he has to die at some point so that the story could have some closure and no disrespect to Mustafa Akkad, who is the producer of the franchise. May he rest in peace, but he kind of ruined the franchise back then with H2O because he apparently wrote a contract that said Michael Myers can never die. That way, it would give us an excuse to produce more sequels. But now yeah. that he is out of the picture and Carpenter is back and better than ever, that whole contract thing and bringing Michael back, I think we can all assume has officially been terminated. Yeah, the, the only thing I could think of if they wanted to continue it after this one is I'm going to do a Michael Myers reference, but a different Mikey. Um, a mini-me version of Michael Myers. It's like half his size from Austin Powers, where it's it's a mini-me Michael Myers. And then it's just that. And then, I don't know, he can grow up to be Michael Myers too. But Or he could just stay as a mini-me Michael Myers, get some uh, like Chucky in there. But yeah, I, I don't think they're going to do that. But I feel like it's good to know when to end a movie and not drag it out till no one wants to see it anymore and that's your stopping point it's you you need to if you're doing if you want to make a movie and distinct parts depend regardless on how big the source material is pick an ending point and work till that ending point and that's it because I know with Dune, going back to Dune, is there are six other books after the first one. And they go all over the place. I know in between book three and four, there's like a hundred thousand year time skip. And I would love to see a God Emperor of Dune. But I know that for the sake of the franchise, and so people will... So it's a good franchise and doesn't just divulge into sequel after sequel and people get tired of it. I They need to stick to an ending point. Definitely. Yeah. Very wise words indeed, Matt. Yeah. And right. Also, one final note about this movie, since we are close to the end point. I also liked how they improved upon Cameron. You know, Allison's bastard boyfriend from the last film who dropped her phone in a bun in a bowl of nacho cheese. I really love what they did with his character. In fact, so much so that I, along with different audiences, were just shocked by his death, which I think takes the cake for probably the most gruesome death in the franchise like have you seen that like michael he just breaks his face against the staircase and then twists his head like he's trying to do an imitation of the exorcist god that like that is probably i think michael's slowest drawn out and most cruel kill ever i guess he really does have a personality doesn't he that's all i have to say about it very good extra thoughts, yeah, and with all that said, as we conclude this episode, 
how would you rate Halloween Kills from a scale of one to ten? I would say I want to say seven because I I enjoyed it. I would watch it again, but in isolation without another one coming and one before that to establish what's going on. I feel that it won't it won't be as enjoyable as watching just this in isolation without either the context of the original ones, the reintroduction of the remake, or the last one that is yet to come. And what about you, Nick? What would you rate this movie? Well, first off, I think that's a pretty fair rating. And for me, in terms of my rating, this is a pretty interesting one I'm about to say. As a Halloween fan, I'd probably rate this a 9 out of 10. But as a movie, just as a movie, I would rate it just an 8 out of 10. It's good, but not great. But much like with David Gordon Green's last Halloween, the positives outweigh the negatives. And I think Halloween fans, we can all agree, will be very pleased with this one. It may be part one, and it may not be scary. It's more brutal than scary, but that's exactly the type of movie it should be. It's Halloween Kills. What the fuck more could you want? Yeah. Um, As long as they don't defeat Michael Myers with the power of friendship in the final one, I think this is a good start to the end of Halloween. With all that said, that's all the time we have left for today's episode. Thank you so much again. Matthew, aka Discount Ansel Elgort, for coming here. Until then, this has been Sin City, live for CMRU.ca and Feel Loud Images. See you next week, same time as always, here. Bye, students, for you. On the next Sin City. Hello? What's your favorite scary movie? Don't have one? Then it's time to check out Scream. Everyone's favorite 90s horror film is turning 25 years old. Hello, Sydney. This Halloween, do yourself a favor and check it out. Then celebrate that milestone next Friday on Sin City. And don't answer the phone while you're at it. Seriously, don't. Only on CMRU.ca, Spotify, Feel Loud Images, Google, and Apple Podcasts.